Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store. I'm Rebecca Roberts. Hi, I'm Harriet Small. Welcome to Have You Got Five Minutes, the PR, comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked about at an event or while making a brew in the office. Hi Harriet, how are you? I'm good. I just didn't expect September to be a hurricane. It's like everyone's woken up, right? It's busy. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like... Too much. Well, I'm glad that you finally read Brandsplaining because I've got someone to talk to about it. It was depressing. Why did you ask me to read it? So it was Amy Keane who I follow on Twitter and she really makes me laugh and I interviewed her on my other podcast um, about youth marketing actually, but she's from Adland, has kind of left it, talks really openly about kind of the problems that Adland have and I feel like this book, yeah, it's depressing about the lack of representation, but I think it's really indicative of some of like, the bigger problems we've had about this kind of Uh, Just the way that women are marketed too, right? So I think it's just really interesting about advertising and how things are marketed, like stereotypes. And I guess if you've got an industry, most creative directors are men. A lot of the ad land is dominated by white men. And I think that's part of the problem. I don't know. I just, it, it made me freak out a bit. I was like... Am I doing these things that I'm doing to live life for me? Or am I doing it because, like, should I just go and live in a cave somewhere or a hut <laughs> in the country? Uh, it was it was just literally, yeah, it freaked me out a little bit. But I do get it and I do understand it. But also it comes from a place of privilege. There was a lot of stuff there actually angry at the girls who are sort of the good girls who sort of fall into line. Sometimes being a good girl actually keeps you safe especially as a black woman you know you sometimes just want to put your head down get on with what you have to get on with fit in and don't have to deal with a lot of the stress and I feel like sometimes these books come from a place and I get where they're coming from you know we should all be allowed but sometimes you do have to code switch you do have to put on a persona in order to get ahead and just to get on with your life because sometimes the mental toll of trying to do certain things is really really difficult in certain spaces now I'm not saying people should change themselves but I just found that there was parts of the book where it was like yeah you can go out and be a rebel you can do these things and and it's just yeah that's not accessible to everyone yeah I agree like from a it's very much from an advertising perspective wasn't it like there wasn't like the psychology or the socioeconomic side like so I yeah like you I get it for me it's an interesting one because when we talk about kind of audience engagement it feels like when you go back to basics about like how you amplify voices and represent voices better so that was really interesting so they talked about you know like how Dove had done certain things and like this girl can and different and different campaigns like that but I suppose you kind of read books like that and you think okay so what does that really mean for me because I don't have like a massive ad budget I'm not doing like international like brand campaigns but I think it's about like not just saying well we did like a focus group but it's just about how you represent voices better and really understand the context of those audience groups and I think that's where you know like the points you made you can really understand an audience better because yeah it's all very well saying oh we'll, we'll do of course you just do this and rebel but actually it might be because you're just trying to survive make a living and like 
have a life. So it's not always as easy. It's a privilege to just kind of ignore certain advertising. I did really like the discourse about the beauty industry, actually. And I know you've been talking about beauty products this week on socials, because I think it was a really obvious one. I, I guess I hadn't really thought of before about how a lot of products marketed to men are much more in a sort of functional benefit way. Whereas for women, it's about like, you know, tackle your problem face and really playing on insecurities and negative is real negative marketing and I shared um something recently it was like a again it was from Amy who made me read this book it was her post it was from Oya Skin she had an email and the title of the email was are you fed up with that turkey neck and then it's all about the product and how it addresses it it was like are we really thinking that would make someone go yeah, like that sounds brilliant. And in fact, there was an ad on last night, actually, and it was around property. And it was about like, tackle your problem home now. And it was just again, like quite a negative approach to marketing. But yeah, the, the beauty industry in particular, I just thought it was really interesting. And it talked about like brands like The Ordinary. And like, you know, I was looking through my, my list of products this morning, like I've got like the Inky list, which are much more like quite functional. And they speak to women like his, not like, here's this magic oil. It's like, here's a product. This is what it's meant to do. And it's quite factual and I quite like that shift that we're, we're seeing. I know what you mean about products like the Inky List and, and the Ordinary about being quite functional and quite like this is the product, this is the ingredient. And and I do, I know there's a couple of brands who do the marketing of like you'll have skin like glass and all these kind of things and I was like, well, no, I won't. I want but, that. <laughs> I'm but, but okay. But I think one of the biggest problems is for me is Yes, you can change the marketing, but fundamentally, especially in the beauty space, if the people who are creating the products don't create products for people who need the products. So, for example, I was talking about sort of products that work for dark skinned black women or certain tones of Caucasian women or even Asian women. If they don't create the products, then there's nothing for us to market or to sell or to PR or anything like that. And I think that's part of the problem is that a lot of times these decisions are made around, oh, that consumer based doesn't buy cosmetics or that consumer base doesn't have the money or they're not even on the radar at all like I remember going back 2015 when I was looking for foundation shades only three brands had my shade and they weren't even a perfect match today that's moved on significantly because a lot of brands have been called out they've realized that they're missing out on market share etc but even now it's still a problem I can't go to Boots or to Superdrug and buy a foundation that will match my shade I have to go and buy the high-end stuff so the Lancomes the Gucci's the Pat McGrath's and all the rest of it because still you don't have the high street brands catering for very many women and very many shades so I get what they mean around sort of the marketing but if the fundamentally decisions aren't made by the people who have to make the decisions it becomes very difficult for advertising and marketing to do what they need to do and I think sometimes we don't talk enough about the other side of business which is the decision makers we sort of put a lot of blame at the feet of marketing and PR and comms and yet sometimes it's not actually their fault yeah it's a really good point it comes back to that point around like who is in charge of like the Adam brand strategy in those lead roles and then if you don't have representation there that's an issue but but then it goes back to like the business representation. I think that's a really good point. So for our five minutes, we're talking about values and purpose. And is it just a PR gimmick? Um, well, I think every brand, well, not every brand, but a lot of the popular ones and the big ones had got to a point where they all said they're going to change the world. And I was like, okay, you can change it for who, how, why, and when. You know, it sounds cool. We're going to change the world. 
But what does that mean? Like, what's your strategic narrative? Yeah, we've talked before about does every brand need deep values and opinions on everything? Or can they just sell a pair of nice trainers and be done with it? We talked with Clemmie Telford, didn't we, about like, you know, do brands need these values and kind of connections? And I guess I'm split on it because I think without that kind of reflection of like how you fit and what you are about, how do you connect with audiences on a deeper level? Um, you, are, you are just kind of debased to like that product and someone could switch up. But I think with a lot of brands, you could kind of play like a buzzword bingo with their values list. And for me, when I've done kind of rebrands messaging, for example, I kind of struggle and I sort of challenge teams. Like when they say like, we're honest, I'm like, so is there an issue with dishonesty? Is that like a bare minimum human value? And it's kind of like finding values or points of difference that really represent your culture as an organisation because you can get like a really cool brand agency to sit in a room with like a leadership team and talk about what you're about and come up with these amazing like lists of things. But if they aren't really about who you are, like what's the point? If they don't reflect what you're about, you just end up with like a a nice list and then someone could come to you um, and go, right, well, I'm going to join your organisation based on that and get a totally different experience. Yeah, I don't know if you remember during the first lockdown, every other advert was we stand with you, we are with you during these challenging times. And actually someone created a like a, a funny YouTube video, like chopping all the ads when they say exactly the same thing. And it's that, like, you're a toothpaste brand. How are you standing with me during a global pandemic? Okay, yes, I'm buying you, I'm waking up, I'm brushing my teeth and then I'm sitting in my house because we're in lockdown. But otherwise, how are you standing with me? What are you doing? Are you giving money to a food bank? Like, just like tell me what you're doing. And I, and I, I really like... Although it was funny, it was it was also just eye-opening about how much we listen to this stuff. It's like even you've got all these lists in like Time and all the others, which says the top 20 brands that are going to change the world or the top six brands that are changing. What are they changing? They're changing technology so people have more access to resources or have access to banking. Be really specific. Like I, There's a lot of these um, new digital banking platforms. So not, not, not necessarily talking about Monzo and Starling, like digital bags I'm talking about like these uh, money box and plum you know those apps where you can sort of do rounds up and it helps you invest like robo investing and it's really interesting because like money box they have a really simple narrative which I really like it's a simple way to save and invest and it's an easy way to get started now for most people that's easy to understand they just make it easy for you to save and invest they round up your money or they take a certain amount of money from you every week or every month however you set it up and then they help you invest your money in whatever you need want to invest in but the thing is there are a lot of other financial products that say we're here to change the world we're here to change the way people access money great but what does that actually mean what do you actually do and then when you drill down to it it's maybe even a loan product or it could be a completely different financial product and I think that's where people get confused that's where people fall into hype And even if you think about, you know, scams or scandals around technology, do you remember like, um, what was her name? The Theranos, was it Elizabeth Holmes with the blood scandal? That was all just PR fluff hype. We're going to change the way in which you do blood testing. But what was the technology behind it? What were you actually doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm reading another book actually called Building a Story Brand. And it's really interesting because it's about kind of boiling down to what you what you actually mean. So it's I guess you know, we talk about it a lot in comms, don't we? It's actually easy to write like a page of bullshit 
kind of descriptors and all these like things you're doing and actually it's quite hard to boil that down to a really concise sentence again actually this is what it means and this is what we're doing and this whole like building a story brand it's kind of I think it's like 10 stages and it walks you through like you know actually on your website you should just have like that hero sentence like that I guess that elevator pitch but make it really clear about what you're doing why but not from your own perspective as a business because I think and we get a lot of navel gazing don't we around like companies looking at what they, they do themselves rather than what that means to the consumer and I think actually we're doing this to make your life easier and this whole book kind of says well, you need to put your consumers the hero of the story they're the one that are the center of your plot it's not about and I've sat in a few and I won't name them but quite big agencies that have pitched for some work that have literally had 20 Venn diagrams and told me about their founders and, and everything about them and it's like I don't care you're in responding to like a tender like tell me how you're going to solve it what's in it for me as a client here and I think that's what we often forget at comms like yes about your organization but what that solves for the customer and I think that's really important I shared that article with you as well from the Guardian about um, nihilism and it was kind of it's funny I guess because I guess I'd always thought like if for those of you who don't know nihilism is like you know nothing matters nothing has meanings and it sounds like really depressing but this author Wendy Seifert has um, written a book called The Sunny um, Nihilist she comes from it from a different perspective in that when we're in a reality where every organization and business is constricted to make everything feel overly significant can leave us kind of feeling anxious and miserable and that whole thought about insignificance kind of put things into perspective and what she was kind of saying was you know it can sound quite dark but you know I'm not gonna have a lasting impact on the world like my problems are really therefore not that massive so I should be a bit more present and not worry about the meaning of this in terms of the grander scheme of things now I don't totally buy into that because I do think like things like you know global warming that collective future view is important but sometimes that can feel so enormous and you know we've talked before like that projection of like changing the world on the individual can feel a bit like impossible so I think breaking that down is quite interesting and also just kind of not being overly stressed that every brand needs to change the world yeah and I think as well is that funny enough brands that do make a difference for people every day don't actually do the big song and dance which is quite interesting and I know people are probably going to come for me But for example, local councils, they're literally, they take care of people in terms of social care, adult social care, children's social care. They collect our bins. Now, I know there was a Twitter spaces where people were talking about bins and, you know, it went on for a couple of hours into the early mornings. I missed that party. But they do do a lot for communities and for people, but they don't make a song and dance about it, about how they're changing the world. It is part of a governance structure. And I feel like a lot of brands try to get away with this because they don't have to declare their governance structure. They don't have to declare certain things. I know I talk about it quite a lot, but during Black Lives Matter, when a lot of brands were coming out and saying, we stand with you, we, you know, this is wrong. We, But if you look at their boards... You look at their top senior leadership teams, you think about global warming and the environment. If you think about how do some brands actually contribute to that and contribute to emissions, fast fashion, for example, you can't have it both worlds. You can't say I'm going to change the world, but at the same time, you're destroying the planet. So it's really thinking about actually what are we doing and what are we actually saying versus what sounds cool. I think also, you touched on that, like it's being honest about the place you're at. Black Lives Matter isn't something you go, right, we've achieved that now, done no it's progress same with climate change so I think the brands that win for me in terms of that is almost being very clear about what they're trying to do but also clear about where they're falling short and what they need to work on because I think we need to create that space to kind of go like no one's nailed every kind of key issue in the world for me stuff like you know the Iceland they had that ad that Christmas ad several years ago and they were like applauded for having this raising awareness of you know you know the orangutans and rainforest at that time 
Iceland were the worst for whatever nut oil it was. Palm oil. Palm oil, yeah. Um, they were the worst offenders for palm oil. But they put that out. Now, that ad would have never got used on TV because it had come from a charity. It was come from Greenpeace in terms of their political activism. And so the PR they got from it initially was great. And I was going to write an article on it. And I ended up writing something totally different. So I was like, yeah, I mean, on the face of it, it looks good. But when you literally just do a bit of Googling, you could find a lot more out. And it's great because Iceland committed to doing a lot. Um, in terms of its packaging and all the rest of it but I felt like it was a little bit disingenuous to get the great PR thing around like they were the true winners of the Christmas ad because really they were really bad offenders that year so I think that's really interesting around that kind of clarity of like where you are actually. Yeah and also I I think sometimes we we expect brands to solve problems and yet these are commercial businesses like I get that you know, you want your the brand that give you your leggings to be amazing and to go out and hug the trees. And But at the end of the day, it's a business. And sometimes there are certain brands that can do certain things and come out and make a song and dance because they are making a lot of money. And sometimes some of their practices behind the scenes as to why they're making a lot of money are very, very problematic. But because they don't show you that part, they get their props and they get a lot of fanfare for it. Thanks for joining us. And everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes. We're talking about the questions and issues that matter to you. So DM us on social or get in touch with Harriet at commsovercoffee.com or myself, Rebecca, at threadandfable.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate, review, subscribe so others can find us and have five minutes with us. Find us on Twitter at RebeccaRobert7 or at Harriet Smalzy. Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store.